Hello friends, it's Dev. I wanted to just pop in here real quick before the start of the show to let you know in advance that this is going to be the pre-trade deadline show coming out, you know, right before the trade deadline actually is over. Um, but we do lose Zooch about halfway through. Uh, he had some technical difficulties and so we're just not going to really address it in the episode because don't want it to be awkward, but just want to let you know that Zooch will be uh, part of the show for the first part, and then when it is uh, when we welcome on our guest, it's going to be just just me and our guest Seth Topol. So don't be alarmed when that happens. It's going to be all good, and we'll have Zuch back on next week because his technical problems will have been solved, and everything will be good. Now, time for wild takes. Hell yeah, let's go. Love you. You're listening to Wild Takes presented by Ten Thousand Takes. Welcome to the Wild Takes Podcast presented by 10,000 Takes. This is the podcast where we talk about the wild and give our takes. I am Dev with me. As always, is my quiescently attractive co-host Zooch. Zooch, how the hell are you? I'm good. I don't know what that word means, though. So you might have to fill me in here. Uh, it's like, you know, if you're. Did you make it up again? No, I did. I didn't make it up, but I, I also didn't look it up what it, uh, what it means. So please hold. Of up. course. See that we're not all about that. We just say stuff that we don't know the the meanings to in this podcast. Yeah. Well, yeah. If this is your first time listening to the show. This is kind of the gist. <laughs> yeah. Um, well. it, stands, it means uh, in a state of peer, uh, in a state or period of inactivity or dormancy. Okay. Oh, on it. it works. It, it works. Work. I've been dormant for three weeks here. We're back, though. <laughs> <laughs> I like Fun it. little serendipity there. No. Nope. Um, but yeah, man, it's it's been been a hot minute, but uh, we're back. We got we got the we got the original. Well, I guess. The original of our of our version of the Wild Six podcast, uh, back together at it, and we're we're rocking and we're rolling. How the hell are you, buddy? Hey, I'm doing great. Um, snow's finally melting here in Minnesota a little bit, hey, even though we got four inches this morning. But, <laughs> you know, hey, we got four and it melted by mid afternoon. It's kind of that's March in Minnesota. Yeah. The only part about March is March Madness, right? I love um, March Madness. Who doesn't? That in the NHL trade deadline, which we're going to get into in a little bit here, which Excellent has been transition. Yeah. Um, yes, that's exactly where we're going to go, and exactly what we're going to be up to. Um, this is the trade deadline, technically pre-show. A lot yep. has already happened, though, and we're going to get into it, and we're going to talk a little bit about what may be to come because some of the moves that Bill Guerin has made for the Minnesota wild lead you to believe that there may be more moves coming. We'll maybe see. one more, maybe we'll find out. Um, yeah. When, uh, by the time you're listening to this, it'll, will be the day before the trade deadline. So from from the time that you hear my voice right now in your ear holes, there's going to be give or take 30 hours to, uh, to the, the NHL trade deadline. So before we get into that with our special guest, Seth Topol, uh, let's get into cup clinks. Zooch, what is your cup clink this week? Hey, mine is uh, Vikings. Vikings related. We were just voted on by a survey of NFL players. I think it was like 1,300 
people that were in the survey or something Damn, like that. That's a lot. That's like it almost was. Every, that's like almost. Every I think player. it might have been every player. Honestly, it was from the NFLPA. So, from the Players Association, we were rated the number one organization in the NFL based right. on food, travel, locker rooms, how they treat your family. So glad to know that the Vikings, you know, they do well by families and uh, the players on their team because you know they are human beings. So treat those guys right, and hopefully they're going to treat our organization right. I like it. Super Bowl here soon. I like it. Yeah, that was pretty cool. I, I, I didn't think we'd be one. I knew we'd be up there. I mean, yeah. we just built a brand new facility. I didn't so. actually. The only thing I saw that came out of this uh, revelation is that the Arizona Cardinals charge oh. charge their players to use the gym and charge them for like team provided meals. They just take yes. it out of their take it out of their salary, yes. which is insane. And That's the only thing that I room, saw out of this. Their weight room currently has uneven floors. Of course it does. Uneven floors, tiles that are peeling up out of the floors. This isn't, you know, a high school team that's going eight every single season. This is an NFL team, so. Yikes. For what it's worth. <laughs> Cliff hey. Kingsbury did a lot of bad there, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, somehow, yeah, Colin somehow. Cliff. Oh, Cliffy Cliff. Oh, Cliffy Man. Cliff. Well, on the complete opposite end of the spectrum, I, I, I want to give a cup link to uh, my new HOA board president, uh, which is the stupidest. This is going to be the dumbest cup clink I think I'll ever do on this show. <laughs> um, so I've mentioned it uh, in public before, but I don't think ever on the podcast. But my my house is technically considered a condo, even though it's definitely not actually a condo because um, our storage unit shares a roof with our neighbor's storage unit and as such, have, <laughs> it's a it's a ridiculous loophole but in the state of north carolina because of the shared roof on our properties that are considered conjoined so because of that uh okay. we also have a separate hoa and so okay. we have like an hoa for the neighborhood and then we also have an, an hoa for the hundred or so houses that have our situation and Basically, a year ago, they just started increasing fees and charging a bunch of bullshit, and we all got pissed off. And we, uh, one, of, one lady rallied the whole neighborhood to basically disband that side of the HOA. And okay. we found out that she couldn't do it. Um, she needed a certain amount of approval, and like she just couldn't get the physical signatures because some of the, a lot of the houses in our neighborhood are owned by rental companies. So she just couldn't get okay. those, couldn't get over the, so like, even though, 98% of the people in the neighborhood were opposed or in, in favor of abolishing it. Um, the actual people to sign it couldn't do it. So uh, what Jerry did is she decided to just run for board president. She won. And now she's like on the inside, taking it down from the inside. It is. Oh incredible. my God. Um, awesome. So she, so she basically like got in, looked at the numbers did some math and was like, okay, we've got enough work to do like these couple things for all of the villas. So like we got our house pressure washed for free. Um, they came in and did some landscaping for us all at no cost. Cause like that's what we're technically paying the HOA for. And then basically her plan is that once she has basically like, once the money is gone, She's just going to disband the HOA as the board president and be like, hey, you know what? We did everything that we said that we were going to do. 
there's no need for us to function anymore. I don't need the votes anymore because I'm on the inside. Uh, see you later. <laughs> hey, you know, that's great because all my HOA does is send plow trucks out in the middle of the night to plow my car in. Nice. You know? Love that. That's great. Yeah, I had I didn't get to go to a day of work because the plows came in the middle of the night and the car, my, my car was plowed in along with everyone else's car. So, Hell you yeah. know, no, so I don't mean, wait till the morning when people are awake to come and plow the driveway so we can maybe move said cars out of the way. Yeah, the, the two the two a.m. plows are a tough, tough look. It is tough. It is tough. Yeah. So, hey, shout out, Jerry. Uh, it's always nice to have a good HOA board president. So Yeah, no, Jerry, Jerry rocks. Um, there's been a bunch of other little things. So like this specific thing, like I mentioned, they had some landscapers come in. Well, the landscapers dinged our fence and yeah. um, the fence now has a gap in it that many could fit through if she realized it and it's right where she <laughs> likes to sit and like i don't think that she would but obviously i don't want that and so i just sent her a picture and i said hey like what do i need to do here and she was like i'm on it and within an hour the uh hoa company was like uh like the management company was like hey we're we've created a work order we're sending somebody out there we're gonna get this fixed for you really really quickly no cost blah 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 i was like oh sweet and I just nice. like sat back. I was like, "Oh, thanks, Jerry." And she just sent me a smiley face, like, "That's what I'm here for." <laughs> and we're gonna bring this thing together. Hell yeah, dude! I, I love to hear that. And you know, speaking of well-oiled machines that are just running mm. on pure efficiency, let's get into stick taps here. Dude, let's baby, what a transition, dude! Let's talk about Gopher hockey yet again. We might as well call this the Gopher Takes podcast because these guys I am are gonna be so useless. Dude, oh my God, these guys are insane. They have 11 wins this season over top 10 opponents, okay? That's pretty good. Yeah, against ranked opponents this year, Dev, I believe the record was 18 and 6. I mean, not, get not out of here, man. That is, uh, that, that's something you, you, know, you want to see coming from your hockey team. They won the Big Ten yet again. They actually ran away with the Big Ten this year, which was a strong hockey conference. I believe we got like three or four teams in the top ten. Might have five tournament teams this year. That's, that sounds about right. Won the conference by fifteen plus points. So, I, I mean, that's that's pretty solid. What else are you going to do when you got Brock Faber, future Minnesota Wild superstar? Thanks, hmm. Kevin. Um, yeah, no, Faber, he's a stud, and it sounds like he's going to come right up to the NHL, and they are going to burn a year of his eligibility, and he's going to play right away as soon as the Gopher season is done, as he should. He is a stud. He's going to be a great NHL defenseman. I can't wait to see him play uh, well, with the big yeah. squad. But, yeah, they, uh, they're, they're moving into the Big Ten tournament and looking like a lock for the number one seed in the NCAA tournament. We might – might have another exciting postseason run here for the Gopher hockey team. Hot and spicy. You love it. Love to see it. I'm not even a Gopher fan. And like, I just, it's, it's good for so many things, but like, it's especially good when like for hockey, when Gopher hockey is good. Yeah. And, and Motsko's turned the corner, man. They, they've been since Motsko has been hired. They've had a few rough seasons, I think at the beginning of his tenure, but that's because he's, you know, I mean, he's taken over for, yeah, it's taken over for Lucia, who by the end of his career, Lucia was, it was time for him to go. So, I mean, can't, you can't do anything else but applaud Mosco and what he's done, especially some of the circumstances he's had to deal with while being a coach of this team and 
you know, losing his son last summer and still built quite a good team this season. And let's hope they can, yeah, let's hope they can bring it home for him. I think nothing would mean more to him right now than winning a natty title. Couldn't agree more. No, you love to see that. Um, my, my stick tap is going to go back to the NHL. It's just the trade deadline in general. Um, yeah. The NHL trade deadline historically is like nothing, nothing, nothing. And then like, oh, there's like, you know, four, like two or two to five, like pretty big trades, but nothing where you're like, oh, shit. Um, Well, sometimes you'll have like an oh, shit trade. But like it's never it's never a drawn out process. It's all very condensed into the the final 12 hours or so. Um, Right. Not this year. (laughs) Uh, Ever since really like Sunday, I think is when the crazy, like you, it probably started before that, but like ever since Sunday, it feels like there's been a blockbuster trade or two or three a day. And yeah, it's been unbelievable. I mean, Jacob chicken got traded 45 minutes before we started recording this. And I mean that, and he, I mean like the other part of it, uh, the other side of this, I have, I clearly have no idea how the fuck to value trades anymore and we'll we'll get into that a little bit more with seth on some of the things but like mikhail granlin goes for a second sure okay he's a good player that's you know that's the the baseline value but then jacob chikrin goes for like a one a two and a four i i, I don't see how those are complicated. it just makes yeah it it makes me laugh because i don't think anyone uh you want to talk about chikrin what about tanner Janel? yeah exactly in the absolute motherfuckers going on there. I mean, you basically Andrew got a bigger package than uh, Timo Meyer, damn near. Timo Meyer than, than <laughs> fucking Chicken did. Yeah. Tanner Janot has. Timo Meyer, too, though. I mean, Jesus, that, that shouldn't even be close. Those two packages for those two players should not even be close. And the fact that they are. Wink. I don't know, man. And I mean, we you talked about the Wild. I mean, Timo Meyer being a name that the Wild might go after. Fuck, I would have <laughs> taken that if. Yeah. Uh, if is right. We'll, we'll get I mean, it. we also did the last time we talked. The Wild were sitting in a more vulnerable position. It's like, should they make a move, dude? The West right now, it's wide open. There's yeah. not a team in the West that scares me. I don't look at the West and go, "Wow, if we saw them in a seven game series, I don't think they're gonna win." And I know uh, some of our some of the group chat we have uh, with with some of the Wild podcast hosts. We were chatting, I think it was a few months ago, and a few of them were saying, yeah, I just don't think they can compete with Winnipeg and Dallas. And in my head, I was like, are we Winnipeg and Dallas? Those are the two teams you At guys are. Time, those were very okay. good. They were very good. I don't view teams like that as a one season. Uh, you got to look at this whole as a whole. Winnipeg, no, but like, look at, back, look at, look they, at. They, they came, they recovered from a bad last season, but they have, it's a similar team to what they have. Look at, look at who yeah. Dallas's coach is. Right. Oh, yeah. What What does he do in his first or second season? Every single fucking yeah. It's true. It's true. It's still neither of those teams scare me. I don't look at either of those teams and go, "Ooh, we'd be outmatched if we played them." Like, absolutely not. We would not be outmatched. The only team that would be like, "Ah, shit," was Colorado. If they get healthy, that yeah, team- yeah, yeah. If Colorado gets Landeskog back, then sure, I'll, I'll buy into that. But I I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to go against Dallas. I wouldn't love going against Winnipeg, especially after they got, you know, the probably the biggest band in my heart, Nino Niederreiter. Um, but I, no way. Really what an embarrassing, 
you learn what player you get. They put him out on a three. I was watching that game last night because uh, I wanted to watch. Fiala. Yeah, they they clearly did not scout Nino's skill set at all. <laughs> uh, he was getting absolutely circled out there in that three on three overtime. And not to mention the TSN guy in Winnipeg, whoever that guy is. You need to do some research, buddy, before you start talking. He goes and look at Fiala fly by his former teammate on the Predators, Nino Niederreiter. I was like. Nino signed this year with the Preds. It was last year, but they definitely didn't overlap. Uh, uh, yeah, well, Fiala played there what, <laughs> six years ago, so I mean, yeah, no, they definitely didn't overlap. There. Not even close. All it took, either. Yeah, no, I mean, it all it would have taken. They might have overlapped no. by like two weeks. No, because oh, it might have it been like two or three. Oh, weeks. we traded for Rask first, I believe. Yeah, I think you're right. I think I, I believe, think but right. either way, it. They never overlapped. Why <laughs> he just it just opens his mouth and says, "Oh, skates by his former Predator teammate." I'm like, ah, uh, uh, former Wild funny. teammate. I'd be like, okay, that's kind of funny, right? Former okay, yeah, you. Enough. I that's would so. take that one because at least you look and you'd see the 18, 18. You know, like, oh, they might have played together there. Yeah, like, <laughs> played together for two weeks, five years yeah. ago. <laughs> yeah, so that was funny. But dude, it, it just yeah, Fiala, man. That one stings. I wish there was a way we could have kept him because he was and another another best player on the ice. Again, watching that game yesterday, he's just ah oh man. Wouldn't you just love to see that on your second line? But it uh, wasn't to be. No, I knew about it really. Billy no, G's can with what he's got, and I, some fans can't see that, but you know, smart hockey, you know, IQ people can see. What Billy G's doing is probably pretty solid compared to what they could be at. Coming off 113 points, best season in franchise history. Yeah, right. I, in the first round, you, okay, you to a team that had 110 points. Like, come on, guys, let's be real here. Yeah, you, you said <laughs> something a second ago uh, about, like, smart fans and whatever. It's yeah. like, let, let me be very clear. I am not in that group. I am very dumb. And even I am like, God damn it, guys, it's not that hard. <laughs> no, it, right, dude. You see some some of these people, they just they bang this drum. Well, look, Fiala would have been nice to have. Yeah, no shit, dude. And of course, if you put Fiala you know else would have been, you know, it would have been really fucking nice if we could have traded for Connor McDavid this fucking offseason. Oh, sure, yeah, Wouldn't that yep, have been nice? Yep. Look at all the cap space that we have this year. You know, before before we decided to play banker for Ryan O'Reilly and 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 Dmitry Orlov, we could have afforded Connor McDavid's deal for this year. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, fuck me. And, and the other thing, people are comparing like let's, Matthew Boldy and Fiala. Let's stop comparing the two because I'm pretty sure Boldy is 21 years old and Fiala is at least 25, 26. Also completely different players. And not to mention, if we're gonna compare the two players here. Uh, hello, Fiala wasn't that fucking great in his first couple of years here in Minnesota. He was not the player that he was when he was leaving. Wow. Yeah, so wait, wait, hang on, hang on. Years just so to I develop just, into a player? Just so oh, we're clear. So concept. when, when Fiala, Fiala's first couple of years here, he was as old as Matt Boldy is now. About, yeah, right maybe in that range. Roughly, maybe a year. Yeah, roughly. Off, yeah, like roughly. And, yeah. I mean, fuck, like, you know. He had he got he was great in the bubble, but like outside of that, like his first I don't know, he was super streaky. He was getting health bombed. I don't, you know, felt like every other week. Well, I've got the points up here. Okay. So his 21-year-old season, it's looking like here. Mm-hmm. 
he had 39 points. Okay. What's Boldy got? Can you, can you? Off the dome? He's got to have at least around there. I mean, with, with a handful of games to go, I don't know. Yeah. He's probably 35, 40, somewhere in that range. Okay. So, so about similar players. players. And the next season after that, Fiala had 54 and then 40. And then he finally took off. Boom. 85, 64 this year. It takes time, people. It don't you don't just come up to the NHL and tear it up unless your name is Connor McDavid. Yeah, right. <laughs> I just pulled it up Boldy because uh, like I said, I hate I didn't want to be completely off the dome. On the year, 16 goals, 24 assists, 40 points, and he still has about 30 games left. Uh, a little no, that's not true. That's it's uh, that 20, 20 games. <laughs> Fuck me. Like Math is hard. Oh, dude, uh so so last year he had 39 in 47 games. This yeah. year, he's got 40 and 61. Sure, is it the same pace? No, but he also lost one of the better players in the league on his wing. It, it happens, man. I mean, okay, that's... We don't, we don't need to digress into this any further. This is going right. to totally take a while. The point being, um, the trade deadline is very, very exciting, and I'm. it's going to take me a hot minute because there have been not just like so many crazy trades, but then also like a bunch of like random tiny trades um, that like I'm just going to like out of nowhere be like oh i didn't realize that uh i don't know well some random some they tampa just sent some rando to <laughs> numelin or something just sent oh, them yeah, to yeah, Kevin Numelin. They, they just sent them to the san jose for nothing <laughs> I mean, for yeah. like a guy they signed off waivers just, yeah and then like in like two weeks it's gonna be like oh i didn't know rem pitlick was in the with the florida panthers this yeah. year or yeah good I don't know. Okay. I actually don't know where he is. That was so he's, good, he's, he's man. I don't know. He's yeah. not. I actually oh. know the Panthers roster decently because the Charlotte Checkers are their AHL team. Anyway, let's uh, let's get into it. Let's talk the whole trade deadline. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. After the break, our good pal <laughs> and your uh, first listen of the day, Seth Topal from Locked on Wild, joins the show. Our next guest is a very special guest. He is a friend of the show. He is a handsome motherfucker, and he is credentialed by the Minnesota Wild. Very recently so, too. It is your very first listen of the day, the host of Locked on Wild, Seth Topal. Seth, how the hell are you, buddy? I'm doing great. Uh, Trade deadline, trade week. Uh, Spring is here, coming sometime Ah. soon. Um, couldn't be better. Oh, listen, I, I, I don't want to brag. We're in the midst of our, our like fake spring as well here in North Carolina. Um, the difference between the North Carolina fake spring and the Minnesota fake spring is that the North Carolina fake spring hit 84 the other day. And, um, yeah. Minnesota, Minnesota is also is also here. Minnesota is present. But you know what Minnesota has that North Carolina does not have? The uh, Marcus Johansson. Yes. Uh <laughs> that was terrible. Fuck. <laughs> um it has it's been it's been a ridiculous trade deadline. Um Zuch and I were talking about it uh before you hopped on, and it's been a just crazy, crazy deadline. And unlike years past, 
the deadline is not just the deadline day. It's been for about a week now, just really ramping up. Um, what are your thoughts? Cause obviously you're putting out content every single day. By the time that you're listening to this podcast, it does mean that you had your first listen of the day. So you have already heard the Seth and company, uh, Locked on Wild team breakdown of the Wild's moves thus far. But Seth, I got to ask you specifically because that hasn't come out yet when we're talking. What are your thoughts on the the Wild's trade deadline, the deadline overall, and then specifically the the Wild's trade deadline so far? Well, for the deadline overall, I'm going to look at this as the pre-Tanner Janot deadline and the (laughs) post-Tanner Janot deadline because I really feel like that trade kind of redefined the market in that you have a lot of teams who look at that return and probably looked at some other options that they maybe hadn't previously considered to, uh, to make some trades. I mean, it, it was just, it was a huge haul that Nashville was able to get. It just feels too like the quintessential Tampa Bay lightning move. Like, it just feels like, okay, this is going to be the next guy that we turn into, like, the playoff hero mm-hmm. uh, by bringing him in. And so it's it's a high cost to get. But you look at the move, and it's like, yeah, that's that has Tampa Bay written all over it. It uh, tracks, yeah. It, it just – it's led to a lot of really weird things happening since because I think a lot of GMs had just this path figured out of, okay, this is how this is going to go. And then that happened and it, it all blew up. I mean, since then we've seen the Arizona coyotes pretty laughably fumble the Jacob Chikrin situation. That's an understatement. We have seen the Vancouver Canucks make some weird decisions to take the assets that they received by selling to also kind of buy. I, I, I don't know. So it's, it really has turned the deadline on its head and you have what the wild did a couple of interesting moves to say the least in Marcus Johansson, who I think a lot of people are puzzled by that move. I am one of them. I don't get it. The wild give up a third rounder for Marcus Johansson. And I didn't hate Mojo when he was here, but I mean, come on. What are we doing here? He is somebody who you very much, he, he very much is what he is. I, I don't think outside of the role that he is most perfectly suited for, which is like a third line guy. Yeah. I don't think yeah. He's, 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 he's like the definition of a middle six wing. I, I don't think he's capable of, taking that and turning it into like what the wild are hoping that he can be, which is kind of a second line savior. Um, That team has the wild have had plenty of players that have um, been on that spot, that second line wing spot, Marcus Foligno most recently and offensively, they're just, that line just really isn't clicking. And I, I guess I'm more puzzled because you look at the guys that had that spot previously Adam Beckman, Sammy Walker. Now, I know Walker wasn't with Matt Boldy and Jewel Erickson Eck, but even Brandon Duhame. Remember when the lines got jumbled up first and Duhame was the first guy to get the crack at that line? 
Yeah, it was great. It worked fantastic. Like You're they goddamn right it did. They were just they were just dominating in terms of the time that they spent in the zone. And just by simple math, like the more time you have in the zone, that leads to more opportunities for you to shoot, which leads to more opportunities for you to score goals. And since the Wild cares so much about defense, guess what? If you have the puck, guess who doesn't have the puck? The other team. Like the 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 joke for you know the joke you know there's always the joke about like the best offense is you know the best defense is a good offense. Um, it doesn't even have to be a good offense; it just has to be a possessing offense. Yeah, exactly, and that's something that they've they have struggled with quite often this year. And so it seemed like they had finally started to put some pieces together to help with that, and now they've gone away from it. So yeah, that that's what I understand. Like to me. The you know Bill Guerin has made a big thing about wanting to you know build from within and not wanting to offload valuable assets um, for for this run because he wants to build this team you know right for the long term and like you know you 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 might point out like okay I think it was next year uh, twenty twenty four I think third round pick right yeah um okay so. The 2024 third round pick, that means that that player is probably not on the Minnesota Wild roster until 2029-ish, 2020-2030, give or take. Maybe 2028 if, like, they just, like, hit it, you know, hit their stride really well. Okay, cool. Like, so who who's to say, you know, what that pick will become? I understand that. But 2028? 930 is to me a lot more likely to be a very open window for the wild than 2023. Now that or that being said, the West is pretty open this year even if we do think that it's going to kind of ratchet up the next couple of years uh just as other teams kind of grow into their into their stuff. Well, and it's it's interesting, too, because I, I agree with the decision to buy um, because you've got Philip Gustafson, who I think is capable incredible. of stealing you a series if you're the road team. He went into Toronto last week and shut the Maple Leafs down at home. Can you count on one hand the number of other teams in the NHL that have done that this year? Actually, yes. You can the Arizona Coyotes. Oh boy! Um, <laughs> but you you've got a goalie that can turn the tide in a series by himself. You have a team that has better special teams units than they did last year. Sure. Really the only piece of the puzzle that is missing is just some consistent scoring for this team, which they right. had a ton of last year. And so I. I'm in favor of the decision to buy. I just, I look at what Marcus Johansson is right now. And I just, I think that you could have, you could have got um, similar production, if not a little more upside with guys you currently have off the roster. If you simply, for instance, swap Brandon Duhame and Marcus Foligno. Let Freddie Goudreau center with those guys. If you want a big bruising bowling ball kind of a line, roll with that. Yeah. And you 
I, I just am always going to be in favor of rewarding a guy like Duhame, president of the fan club, by the way. Uh, we meet on Thursdays. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> we meet on Thursdays. Uh, usually there's punch, but um, punch, depends, punch, knowing you. Depends on who's hosting. Um, I'm always going to be in favor of rewarding a guy who works hard every time he's out on the ice with additional ice time. And so I just, I feel like they could have taken what Johansson brings to the table and gotten that from guys on the roster currently. Now, I agree. My, my opinion will change if there is someone currently on the roster in that log jam that's moved off the roster. And so then if you say, okay, Jordan Greenway, for instance, you move him off the roster and Johansson slots in as a third line guy. Okay. You bring, you bring a little more speed to the lineup that you didn't have before. Fine. But yeah. Yeah. You sacrifice a little bit of size for a little bit of speed. Um, Side note, I haven't watched him play hardly at all, but like, you know, he broke, I feel I he might have broken. It felt like he broke both of his legs when he was in Minnesota last time. I know he definitely broke one. Um, is Bojo still fast? I I hand up haven't watched a single Capitals game this year except for um, the one where they were uh, in Minnesota. I didn't even get to watch the one where the Wild were at DC because technically my part of North Carolina is a regional blackout for at DC. Anyway, stupid rules, but separate from that, I haven't, I, and let's put it this way. I forgot that he was a in the league and yep. B, I didn't know that he was on the Capitals. I just did not know that in the wild takes group text. Danks texted. Oh, we just traded for, uh, Mark Johansson is he spelled it wrong too. I don't remember exactly <laughs> what he said, but it was like, it was obvious that he, it was, it, it was pretty clear that he meant Marcus Johansson, yeah. but it wasn't positive. And so my immediate response was WTF. Wait, did the wild seriously just bring back Mojo? And then he said, yes, for a third. And then in all caps, I said WTF. Well, and here's, here's the other thing, regardless of if he's fast or not. One point in the month of February. Mm. Don't like that. Three goals in 2023. So three goals in two months. And I think if, if Brett, Marshall of Sound the Foghorn had the if if it was his tweet that I saw I can't quite remember he's a minus five in like his last six games so well, we know how much Dean hates minus players and he, here's so here's the other part of it too is I feel like you could have justified a move like this if you would have said Guy's got six goals in the month of February. He's on a heater. Sure. Yeah. So yeah. We're, we're going to the hot hand. We're going to take that and try to inject some life into this offense. But he comes in as cold as pretty much anybody else on this roster. Yeah. He's barely putting up more points than, than Jordan Greenway. <sighs> so I don't know. That one so, is, that one is puzzling. So um, I don't understand the move. So I don't like that. We paid a third. If we had paid a sixth, or a fifth. I think my reaction would have been like, oh, that's weird, but okay. Sure, whatever. You know, but we paid a third, whatever. Um, but to me, it's a move that is as clear a sign as I can imagine that we're going to at least try to make 
another move. Yes, a hundred percent. It now the other move that we did make was trading the fifth rounder that we got for um paying Dmitry Orlov like seventy five grand um for Gustav Nyquist, who is injured, so he does not take up a roster spot, which is nice. But that also means that the Wild, and you count that they have Brodeen and Nyquist now on IR, the Wild have 25 players on their roster. Yep. Somebody's getting shipped out. I just, that's, the math ain't mathin'. So, like, you gotta, there's there's too, too, too many players on the, on the team right now as soon as they're both healthy, which, like, Nyquist, it sounds like, won't be healthy until about the playoffs, which, like, as a aside, I kind of forgot that you can trade actually injured players and not just do the like bullshit Shane Weber LTIR deal <laughs> thing. Well, and so did the NHL evidently because uh, there were some guidelines that um, the NHL was going to be watching for these types of trades um, so that you didn't have a situation where like the Tampa Bay Lightning took on a player who is very clearly not going to play just to put them on long-term IR so that they could free up cap space. To Can you imagine if the Lightning had traded for, like, Mark Stone or something? Oh, I God, would that would have been fun. The league would have rioted. But, um, and to be fair, by the time you're listening to this, there still is about 30 hours left before the trade deadline hits. That could still happen. So, Julian Brisebois, make it happen. Trade for Mark Stone, please. That would be so fucking funny. Well, and here, here's the – so here's what I kind of am looking at with how this has played out. Remember how we, over the last, I, I think it's now eight straight games that Sam Steele has been healthy scratched? Something like that, yeah. I think, the more I think about it now, I think he's being held as kind of the safety blanket to if the Wilds try to do a couple of things on deadline day and nothing materializes, you can waive him to oh, fill. Oh, he is there is zero chance that he will be on this roster in a month. Yeah. But I like, I've been sitting here just wondering why he continues to be on the roster. If he's not even like, I I don't know what the pecking order is of players like four spots, but I got to feel like he's pretty much at the bottom, if not the bottom of the list. I would have to imagine. Yeah. And so I'm I'm wondering if Bill Guerin is just holding on to that in the event. Like, let's say he tries to move Jordan Greenway and nothing materializes on deadline day. Then you can say, well, we're, we'll just free up that roster spot by waving steel um, so that they don't have to, for instance, put um, Mason Shaw on waivers to try to get him sent down to clear a roster spot. That would be one you probably end up getting bit on if you would try that. So. I, I, I feel like somebody is, is on the way out and maybe it ends up that if they do find a taker that you then free up that additional roster spot by waving, uh, Sam Steele too. <laughs> yeah. We can, we can dream. Can we? We sure can. Um, so as I mentioned a minute ago, there are, there is still time before the actual deadline is done. And as you were just talking about, a, another trade can and honestly it seems very likely will materialize yep um let's talk about what's still out there the the two biggest names that the wild are associated with are uh jvr out of philly and brock besser in vancouver um 
JVR, I believe, is still a rental. Besser obviously has two years of term left because he is in year one of a three-year extension he signed last summer. Um, fuck. <laughs> um, well, let's let's do Besser first because I feel like that's the one that the Wild fans, at least, are the most... I don't know what the word is. Excitable about, I guess, for lack of a better term. Yeah. Um, Besser has two more years of term. Um, at what six million? I think. Just yeah, shy of, it's, it's right, right around that number. Just shy of six million. So, here's a hypothetical trade. Who says no? And this is, you know, it's one that I thought of, but then I'm it's not an original idea either because I think, I think, I think literally every single person has thought of this exact trade. Um, Jordan Greenway. And I would have liked to say a third, but we don't have a third to give up Marcus Johansson. Um, Jordan Greenway and a, a second, I guess for Brock Besser 50% retained. Who says no? That's interesting because I feel like I feel like in order for the Wild to do it, Vancouver's going to have to eat half. And yeah. no, they they mathematically cannot do it yeah. after this year. And I, I it doesn't really strike me to trade for a guy with two years of term remaining only to then redeal him in the off season. That just feels like, I mean, one, that feels like a lot of work, but yes. two, that just feels like bad asset management because it feels like, unless Brock Besser, unless we trade for Besser and he has, let's call it a, a half a dozen goals, bef- half a dozen goals in the playoffs and 15, 20 points from in the 20 ish games remaining. You know, before that, like if if that happens, power to him. That's yeah. terrific. You love to see it. Um, but then at that point, do you not want to retain that player? So to me, unless I feel like it's, I feel like no, I feel like Minnesota has to has to insist that Vancouver retains fifty percent. And is Greenway enough? Um, obviously, you throw in the second round pick for the money, but then you know Greenway for Besser straight up. I think I think I think I think both teams would say yes if there's no money being retained at just or I think Vancouver would say yes if there's no money being retained at yeah. Greenway for Besser straight up. I don't think they say yes at Greenway for Besser 50%. I do think that they would say yes for Greenway in a second for Besser 50%. Yeah, and you may I don't know if you have to throw in obviously not somebody in your top 10, top 15 even throwing a prospect too, maybe sure. that's something that they do just just one of those things where it's like hey we have this player that we we don't necessarily see as being a fit in our system you can like greenway take them as kind of a reclamation project for a vancouver team that just is in desperate need of a full teardown yeah that's not a bad idea yeah maybe throwing like a nikita nestorenko or something Some, who is yeah, a good player like he's a good player he's yeah, I think he would be right in that like eight to twelve range, where it's like he still is enticing enough, but not not the guy. 
You probably, yeah, you probably have something. You probably have something there that because uh, Vancouver evidently has been interested in Greenway. Sounds like there are a lot of teams that are, but this is nothing new. This is nothing no. new for what we've seen. Is there's always been that intrigue with the size that he brings to the table. It just it says something to me that again president of the Brandon Duhame fan club. So I'm obligated to bring him up multiple times. Oh, that's um, smart. It says something that a player in Duhame who does not have the size of Greenway looks so much better out on the ice because he works so much harder. He looks bigger than Greenway. He plays. He plays. Bigger. I don't, yeah, he doesn't look bigger, but he, he plays bigger for sure. And so that's, um, that's the other thing too is you know you can try to sell this any number of ways but it's not like gms have no access to film or things along those lines to where it's like boy i i haven't seen any sort of video on jordan greenway for years so i'm just i'm gonna have to take bill garen's word on it and uh, (laughs) we'll have to go that route yeah well, here's here's the other thing about Greenway too. Um, if 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 the Wild have him at the end of the trade deadline, might not be the worst thing. Yeah, and that's it is ever interesting. Since, ever since he had his little come to Jesus moment with I mean, uh, you, with Billy G, feels like you he's look, been playing how he should be playing. You look at that line with Goudreau and Duhame, and I think they've played six games together, and they have yet to be scored on. So it's not nothing. Yeah, I think you're right. I don't. I don't believe that they've been scored on. And so maybe it did just take him kind of finally getting things to click. To I got to really pick it up, or I'm not going to be here. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. I could, this could just be being a prisoner of the moment, but I vaguely recall a version of this exact situation every year that he's been here where he has four or five bad games in a row and then he starts to play kind of whatever laissez-faire hockey and, and then by the time that he is by the time he's like back up and at him, you know, like he just gets in, he gets into a funk. He just gets worse and worse and worse. And, and then eventually it culminates in either the coach or the general manager being like, Hey man, I don't know if you know this, you're six, (laughs) six, you can literally just bully dudes around and you've got good hands. Use them. Yeah. I, I even remember a situation last year where he missed a few games. And I think I went so far as to say, like, he is the glue defensively that holds the team together. It may even have been at the beginning of this season. That's that's a wild take right there. Yeah. To to the point where you like welcome you, to the show. <laughs> happy to be here. Um, Stuff like that, though. But you you are spot on is that it seems like this happens on almost a yearly occurrence. To where you have to just you have to do something to just get that full that full potential out there on display. Yeah, which like man, 
it makes me wonder, like, don't get me wrong. You know, I, I work. I work for a living. You work for a living. I think we all can agree that sometimes you just want to put in whatever it takes to just get through the day. And sometimes it's whatever it takes to get through the week, the month, the quarter, whatever. If you're in the National Hockey League, you don't have that privilege. Yeah. And I don't – somehow that just doesn't seem to click with Jordan Greenway. And I don't mean this to be a rant about Greenway's work ethic because when he's on, I actually think he's a very good – I actually think he's a very good player. I like watching him play hockey. I like it when he plays for the Minnesota Wild. When he scores, I say yes. When he lets in a goal, I say no. Like, I like Jordan Greenway. But I think we've seen what he is. And that yeah. is a guy who is has all of the upside in the world and none of the drive to put it in gear and actually use it. Yeah, I, I think you're really, at this point in his career, You've got you've got essentially the full picture. And I think, too, the more I think about this as the season goes on, I think with the dip in scoring this year, all of the mistakes that are made on the ice at any given time are just so magnified. Yes, that's 100 percent right. And so anytime you see somebody out there kind of going through like a 50 percent effort shift, it shows it out. Yeah, it shows very evidently, you know, last year you're scoring six goals a game. Who cares if somebody kind of goes out there and, and doesn't, you know, go. Yeah. Out yeah. If you're, if you're that. winning six, four and you're half, half assing every fourth shift or every third shift, it doesn't, you know, you can, you can get away with a lot more. Yeah. But when you're losing every game two one, or you're winning every game, you know, two one or, you know, you have to take it to a shootout because you're tied with the New York Islanders one, one, like whenever <laughs> something like that is happening, like, yeah, it sticks out when you're not giving your full effort because every, the margins are non-existent. Yeah. They're razor thin this year. And so I think that's part of the problem. Now it doesn't excuse the mistakes, no, but I think a lot of it just, if this team even, and I don't know what their goals per game is at, I'm pretty sure it's under three for the season. Uh, that sounds about right. Even if they're like three tenths of a goal better than they're at, if they're at three goals or slightly above, I I feel like there's a lot less angst um, about what's going on. So it's one of those things. But again, you're you're spot on. Is yeah. that we have seen the the Jordan Greenway picture in its full um, its full capacity. I think at this point. And so this, this leads to then, all right, if we've gotten all we can out of the player, then it's time to try to turn that into some sort of asset that we can try to maximize then. Maximize again. in a different way. Yeah, I agree. Now, two things before we move on. Um, one, I just did the quick math. If the wild had scored an extra three tenths of a goal each game, there would be an extra 18 goals on the season. I, how many games? How many games would we have won with an extra eighteen goals? Wow, six, um, ten, prob- probably, probably six to six ten, ten, somewhere in there. Yeah, let's let's just split the difference and say eight. Okay, sure. So extra eighteen goals, or extra, yeah, extra eighteen goals means an extra eight wins means an extra 
let's let's do this. Instead of eight wins, let's just call it sixteen points because we sure. would have probably gone to overtime. So an extra sixteen points. Okay. So then that would mean that the Wild would be instead of sitting <laughs> as we're recording this, they're sitting in second place in the central. Um with an extra sixteen points, they Maybe would be in the West. They would be leading the West by 14 points. God damn it. That is unbelievable. And they would, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like they would still be behind Boston. They would be the second best team in the league. Yeah. They would be Boston has 99 points. This hypothetical would get the wild to exactly 90 points. Um, so yeah. Uh, and that's with an extra goal every third game, every three games. Which just see this. This is the fascinating part about these types of scenarios is we're not asking for like you're not asking for a top five offense. You're mm-hmm. asking for not thirtieth. Yeah, exactly. And so eighteen additional goals would probably bump you somewhere between twenty five and twenty. That's not a huge leap. We're not no. asking to go from 30th in five on five scoring to like third. No. And yet it just, it, it doesn't happen. No. So, okay. Before we keep going down this rabbit hole, we're just going to get more and more mad. I've got one last Greenway uh, thing in just in honor of you being here. I've come up with a delightful, but kind of uh, off the beaten path. Uh, analogy so jordan greenway is like if you're a big car guy and you buy yourself a 1969 ford mustang inarguably one of the greatest muscle cars of all time and you make that your daily driver but instead of driving it around to like car shows and showing it off and hitting the drag strip and just like really revving the engine you never take that little son of a bitch more than 20 miles an hour because you're afraid of getting it scratched up. And every single person that sees you drive that, like you're going to, you're getting passed on like County roads. Oof. Like you, it, it's just, it's not good. You're, you're constantly in the right lane and everybody's passing you anytime you go anywhere because you're, that thing does not at any point exceed 20 miles an hour. Oh, vibes are dead. How furious would you be if you I... saw somebody driving that wonderful, magnificent muscle car and they're just not taking advantage of it? It's just such a shame. But like... then one but then once a year you have a little come to Jesus moment and then they take it out racing for like three weeks at a time and then everything is fine. And then you just go right back to where you were. It's no way to live life, man. Nah, man. <laughs> no way to live life so enough about that um that was a little bit longer of a tangent than i thought it would be so let's just rip through the uh the other names that have been associated um with the wild and then the trade deadline at large i'm gonna throw out a couple of names sure. um and then you basically say like what your thoughts are quickly um we already touched on him a little bit jvr I got some stats. Ooh, came prepared. Buckle in. Um, okay. I don't like this. <laughs> since 
we turn the calendar to 2023, mm-hmm. Van Riemsdyk has one, two, three, four. Four goals. Eesh. In two months. Mm. Um, he, in his, since January 26th, so over a month, two points. Oh, my God. He has one assist in his last five games since February 16th. Yikes. Huge no. Yeah. Because, again, because you, the, the, the supposed price that's out there is a first. Oh, ick. And you're running into the you're running into the same problem is you either want to get somebody that has been so consistently good this year or someone on a heater that you can integrate into this offense to help kind of push everybody else along. Now, here's the counterpoint to that. You could make the argument for the change of scenery thing. Yes, you with JVR because he does have a history of being a pretty good scorer. Not not a great one, but a pretty good one. A productive scorer. Yeah, productive is a good word for it. Very good milk toast word for it. Yeah. Even still, I think you put him on a line with Boldy and Erickson Eck, which again, that's the that's the spot we're filling. Like that's the spot of the top six that's getting filled. Right. I just he doesn't really bring a ton of speed to the equation. No, I, he does not. And so you have a very... Not at this phase in his life anyway. You have a very methodical line, maybe a counterpunch to what Kaprizov does with Zuccarello and Hartman, but it's a line that is really not going to be able to kind of blast in and do their thing before the opponent can get set up. They're going to have to really get set up and win a lot of battles to keep possession going there. So I, there is something to be said about the change of scenery, but I just with what his numbers have looked like recently and the fact that he doesn't really have a lot of speed to bring to the table, I'm just going to say no. Uh, I, I would agree. Um, so other, uh, other names, I, I would agree, and I don't really feel the need to elaborate because everything you said I completely agree with. I don't know who his line mates have been all the time, but I do know that his center has been one of either Kevin Hayes or uh, was Sean Couturier. That um, sounds right. I can never remember. And then I would assume that like Konechny is his opposite wing. Just kind of like looking at their, their roster here, or like maybe Owen Tippett. Maybe or Cam Atkinson, like one of those three guys, you know, none of those guys are like barn burners by any means, but they're not slouches either. Yeah. They're not, they're not warm bodies. Yeah. So all that to say, I don't know how much a change of scenery would actually impact him anyway, uh, because he's got, it's not like he's got terrible dog shit line mates right now. He's got like pretty good line mates. He'd probably have an upgrade here, but you know, I don't know how much of a difference that makes. Um, I, just, I just worry, like, the analogy I'll use is this. Two ice cubes put together usually don't melt each other mm. unless they're in a warm spot themselves. <laughs> That's good. Um, all right. Uh, Nick Bukestad, the prodigal son, will he or will he not return? Ah, <sighs> uh, 
Bukestad, I, you know, he was, he was fine with us, but I think as we often see, he was just asked to be put in a larger role than he is capable of playing. And so again, are you, are you putting him lower in the lineup and elevating somebody to that second line spot in that case? In theory, let's lay this out here. I, I can't imagine the Bukes that will fetch. He'll be like a super high cost thing. That be, I, I, I was telling Zooch, you know, before he dropped out, like, I truly have no idea how to value players anymore. So you could make the argument that he would net you, he, he, he would net Arizona a fourth round pick or a seventh round pick. I have no idea. I have, I have no, and, and you know what? I say that and like, the Florida Panthers will come in and trade two thirds for him. Right. <laughs> I have no idea how the, I, I truly don't know how to value guys, so I'm not going to try, but let's say whatever the return is for Bukestad is like, we are, it's a perfectly like whatever the value you have in your head for Nick Bukestad is exactly what we traded him for. And then we just put him on the third or fourth line and we put Duhame up in the second line spot ignoring your bias as the president of the Brandon Duham fan club. Do you make that move if you're Bill Guerin? I'm looking at Bugstead's numbers too, and they're basically identical to Van Riemsdyk four goals this year, um, which for Bugstead, probably not that bad. No, but, that's uh, the thing. Yeah. JVR makes like $7 million a year. Bugstead makes like, I, I don't think he's over a million. Yeah. I'm so there is something to be said about bringing some new bodies in to try to inject life and say, Hey, what we currently have isn't good enough. And so if players don't perform, there are going to be changes. I just, I don't know. Again, I I'm of, I'm more of the belief with the speed thing. Again, speed's not necessarily the only way to win games, but it helps. No, I agree. And so I think they have plenty of size right now with Reeves, with Felino, with Greenway, got physicality with Middleton, with Duhame. I think you just need to kind of try to upgrade from that slow plotting lineup to a little bit more of a a burst. Um, yeah, when you're out there. So All I right. would probably say no to Bugstead too. That's fair. All right, I got one more for you. Um, at least as far as forwards go. Nick Schmaltz. Now, I'm going to give you a little bit of background because I do actually have this pulled up here. Sure. So he he came into the year. He had to get surgery in the offseason. He missed the beginning of part of, missed the beginning part of the year. Um, he came in 20-ish games into the season. Um, he has played 43 games on the year. In those 43 games, he has scored 39 points. He's 27 years old. He's a center. And his cap hit is doable for this year. 5.85. Here's the tricky part. Uh, Nick, Nick Schultz Schmaltz, sorry, has um, three more years of term. So as we discussed with Brock Besser, it is impossible for the Minnesota wild to do that unless they're also sending money back. Now in this situation, in this situation, the Wild could send back Greenway and Arizona could retain 50% and then Arizona 
and th- then the money, the cap hit is almost identical to right. what Greenways is. Um, let me make sure that uh, Arizona can actually have an extra retention slot because I don't think I don't think that they would want to have an extra retention slot uh, to use up an extra retention slot because they would have to use it for three more years. I don't think that they want to do that. Yeah, that's that's where that one gets dicey too. Is I mean, unless unless you're trading Oliver Ekman Larson, you don't you don't see retention out um, quite that far. And you know what? I'm looking at it now. I forgot that they retained on Patrick Kane's deal. Oh yeah, like two and a half million, isn't it? Two point six. So they're they're retaining 2.6 of Kane for just this year. And then they've got one, two, three, four, four years. They've got this year plus four more of Oliver Ekman Larson at uh, 990. <sighs> so I, I, I can't imagine a scenario where they no. would actually retain. So never mind. This was a bad idea. Well, milk was a is, bad choice. This is the part of the pod I like to call just finding things out as they happen in real time. And <laughs> I do it all the time where you have a scenario that you're trying to talk through and then the light bulb hits where you're like, oh, wait, no, that that couldn't happen. And you're like, well, we uh, we figured it out. We showed our work. Right. We did our best. Like in math class, you show your work and sometimes you get to the right answer. Sometimes you don't. Bingo. Perfect, uh, perfect description there. Um, so yeah, um, the point, all that to say the trade market pretty fucked up this year. (laughs) I don't know. I, to me, to me, there's not an obvious move and I don't, I have a name I'd like throw it out there. Let's hear it. So it's funny because I keep seeing from the most two more most reliable sources that we have here in Minnesota in Michael Russo and Joe Smith that mm-hmm. they just haven't checked in. I keep banging the drum for Max Domi. Ah, I don't know about this one. I want to hear I want to hear your argument because I'm not I'm not a big fan of really anybody with the last name Domi. <laughs> Um, I understand the, the, the value and the, you know, I understand why I think people are into it, but he's not moving the needle for me. So let me hear it. Well, uh, for one, his contract is extremely affordable this year. I think he's signed for 3 million is the deal. So, Uh, yep. Yep. One year, 3 million prove it deal. You don't have to do really anything to try to finagle extra money um, or anything along those lines. You can take on that whole hit without uh, any, any questions asked. He also is on a little bit of a heater over the, uh, the past few games. He's got uh, three goals in his last five and he had, um, he had the one game, the one game against Dallas where him and Patrick Kane just went nuts Oh yeah, that was crazy. Um, he's got a little speed to his game. 
And he also has a little bit of that kind of toughness sandpaper to him. Yeah. Or as, as Bill Guerin puts it, he's got a little fuck you to his game. Which would fit in perfectly with one of his line mates that we would be slotting him in with in Jewel Erickson Eck. Yeah. That would be interesting. He can help you on the he can help you on the power play too. So in this scenario, keep the first line the how it is with the you know the the lettuce line as some have referred to it as, and then your second line would be Boldy Eck Domi. Yep. And then your third line would be the the Duhame, uh, uh, Goudreau, Felino. Then a fourth line of Dewar, Reeves, and then whoever Shaw, Shaw Steele, yeah, who you know, whoever that whoever finals. Else. And then eventually Gustav Nyquist, or uh, we, you know what, we fucking forgot about Marcus Johansson. So guess who's probably going back in a trade like that. <sighs> we had it and then we lost it. Well, yeah. So it's impossible to guess because it, at least one, probably two players would be going back in any yeah. sort of deal. Which is why, you know, this, this is where some of those comments that Bill Guerin has made have been interesting too. In I don't want to mortgage prospects or picks and it's to where you then just do your good old-fashioned hockey trade. God, I love that term. I know some people hate it, but it's so funny to me. Yeah, it's it, I, I couldn't love it anymore. Now, would you be comfortable with trading a player off the roster to go to your division rival? Well, yes, because they're not anywhere close to where it's going to matter. Yeah. So, I don't know. Would Would that be something that Chicago would be intrigued enough by to say, well, yeah, we've got Domi here for one year. We maybe want to look at an extension for him. We'll take Jordan Greenway as a project. Maybe you go that route. Who says no in this trade? Greenway, it <laughs> Greenway and uh, let's do this. Greenway, Mojo, and a prospect. Um, I don't know who the prospect would be. Probably a D, a, a blue liner. As long as it's not Faber or Pert or Damon Hunt, I'm okay. Yeah, not the top guys. Um, yeah. So Faber or not Faber? Fuck me. No, that'd be terrible. <laughs> so Greenway. Yeah, Greenway, Mojo, and a, a mid-tier, deep blue line prospect. Is that enough to move the needle for for the Blackhawks? I don't think Bill Guerin does that, for what it's worth. But Probably is that enough not. to move the needle? Well, for Chicago, you're getting a prospect, and you're also getting a couple of years to take a look at Jordan Greenway to see if you can be the one, if you can be the magical first team to unlock more from the game. Yeah. So maybe they, they opt to, uh, to give that a shot. 
It's just, I don't know. I There has to be something else to the equation as to why the Wild just have not looked into that um, that outlet with Domi. And maybe there is something else that I'm just missing, but it just seems like he brings a lot of the things that you just you point blank need uh, that he could give to this lineup. Yeah. No, that would be interesting. Um, I, I know you're 100% right that like Russo has reported, I don't know, a dozen times in the last week that the wild Several. don't seem to be interested in Domi. So, you know, this is probably just a waste of 10 minutes that we had, but I'm with you. Uh, I, 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 I actually am more on the Russo side of things. I'm probably not into it. I feel like he doesn't excite me enough to, to want to pay the price that I would think that they were asking for, but honestly, they Kane got a lot less than I thought he would get. So maybe Chicago is, open to doing really cheap deals. I don't know. If you wait, the longer you wait, the closer you get to the deadline, you've got things on both sides. You have teams that get desperate, and so they may pony up more, or you have teams that get worried that they're not going to get anything back in return Mm -hmm. to where then they say, all right, we got to come down from our ask in order to make this happen. Case in point. Arizona Coyotes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, Hey, that has been terrific before we get out of here. Um, two, two things real quick. Uh, one, the wild, the wild have gotten hot in the last, uh, you know, to, to coin Russo's phrase, what a difference a week makes. So hot right now. I, that's good. Yeah. That Hanson is so hot right now. (laughs) I, I was with you. Um, Zooch has credit to him. Zooch has been saying for a long time that the West is wide open and the wild should make a move. I disagreed because even if the West is wide open, like this team just d- hadn't excited me enough. Like I, I like the team. I like watching them play, but like, they're very clearly a flawed team that happens to have all of like, they have, a they have a lot of the pieces that you need to succeed in the playoffs, but yep. they're unbelievably frustrating at times. They've got an elite scoring talent. They've got a lot of depth. They have a pretty good blue line and they have a goalie that can absolutely steal your games. That's a very, that's a good combination of playoffs. What they are missing is stronger secondary scoring because if that top line and boldly dry up um, at one point, it was what, like eight games without a goal that didn't involve either Kaprizov, Zuccarello or Boldy. Yeah, it was, it was something like 380 minutes of actual ice time that had gone by since the last time the wild scored without Kirill Kaprizov on the ice, which is insane. It's disgusting. So like that does actually worry me. And then the other piece that they're missing is we don't have like a true, true elite offensive defenseman. That's the other piece that we're missing, but like that, you know, not a ton of people have that. And so it is what it is. Um, I don't know. I the, this wild team feels like they could be the first team since the 2014 team to make it out of the first round, or they could get swept by whoever they play with. I, it it truly, I truly don't know. They're a total. I you know, <laughs> the, you know it's the funny thing that I think leads to this 
resurgence being different is that they just have been so much better, so much more disciplined with their play. Like the penalty issue has, it's, it's dried up. It's evaporated. Like, Which good because they were bad. Was, that was, was unbelievable. Really they were the second most penalized team in the league. And like, I saw some people be like, yeah, but like a lot of those are like majors. That's not better. <laughs> no, there, there are a lot. Yes. There are a lot of majors in there, but there are a lot of also just effort penalties, mm-hmm. hooking, exactly. slashing. And so they've cleaned that up substantially um, over the last three weeks or so. Yeah. Ryan Hartman has taken one penalty in the last like 10 games. So if they can keep that going, then it's going to be, it's still going to be a struggle to score goals, but the penalty kill has been perfect for their 26 for their last 26. I think it is, which is insane. How dare you jinx this? I I've said this every day for a month. Like, <laughs> it, it, there's 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 going to come a time where they're going to give up a power play goal, and I'm just going to say I I talked about it too much for it to be jinxed. But the thing, the other key point to this is, you go from taking four to five penalties a game, and saying, "Geez, I hope our penalty kill can hang on mm-hmm. and coast through that many minutes." And if you're doing one or two, it's a lot different. You're not putting as much pressure on those guys to have to be perfect every time. Um, so I, if that continues, then I think this is a run that is going to be a little more sustainable. Um, but yeah, any sort of big, any sort of splash offensively to inject some life is this this team, if they get, like we talked about, even a third of a goal, three-tenths of a goal per game more, it leads to just noticeable improvements and wins. Mm-hmm. And so if you get a guy, if you get a guy that can net you 15 extra goals down the stretch, that might be a little too much. But 15 is see, a lot in 20, basically 20 games. Let's say you get somebody at the deadline, somebody else, eight to ten goals the rest of the season could be the difference between being the two seed in the central or the wild card. Honestly, an extra eight to 10 goals could be the difference between the one seed in the central. We're a point back from Dallas right now with, I believe a game in hand. Did um, they win? I don't, it's a, yeah, it depends on. They better not have. I'm just going to try to pull it up in real time here. As, as we're recording this, yeah. Just trying to uh, pull it up. So that if, they, if they lost, we're one point. <sighs> we're three points back. Excuse me. I read it wrong. They lost. They did lose? Uh, they The Coyotes lost. Ah, okay. So Dallas won. Flip the coin. Um, Dallas won. Okay. <laughs> so as we're recording this, the Wild are five points back from Dallas. With a game in hand. An extra eight goals. The way that the defense has been playing, that might be an extra two, three wins, extra four or five points right there. Well, an eight eight goals for that player 
if they are able to get a couple of other guys going, mm-hmm. Matt Boldy, Jewel Erickson Eck, on yeah. down the line, all of a sudden you go from plus eight to plus maybe then you go plus 15 as a team. Maybe. No, I'm with you. Um, all right. We got to run because uh, this is, I don't want to take up too much more of your time because I know you've got a whole lot more to do. Um, before we let you go, um, one thing uh, that we, I, I, I definitely need, we need, definitely need to talk about the lockdown wild annual wild all-time name bracket. It's yes. back. Yeah. We, we made the triumphant return this year. Um, we, we tried it last year and it just kind of ran out of steam because there was really no clear cut direction. We did, Hey, is this the cool, which of these is the coolest player, which is the best player. So people were like, well, do you mean stats? Why it, it, it was muddled. It was confusing, but so you know what year, you live and you learn exactly. And so this year we went with best name and Already off to a smash and start. We'll do this all of the month of March. Uh, by the time people are listening to this, they'll be able to find the opening round um, matchups on the Locked on Wild Twitter account. We'll have them all pinned to the uh, the top of the page. So all you got to do is just go through and vote for which player you think has the uh, the best name. Pateri Numelin, um, Zenon Kanapka, might I add the number one seed in the wild takes region? Lotus Labenizak. Yes. Mm. Very Which, strong, like, very strong contender, by the way. Yeah. You, you, everybody that's listened to this podcast for more than a year knows uh, my love and affiliation for, for good old, good old Lottie. Have you taken president of the fan club? You know what? I haven't, but I should because it's uh, it's an army of one right now. People don't well, remember the greats. You can't have more than one if you have none. That's so true. One, so one leads to al- two. Allow me. To... Allow me right here, right now on this on this podcast to officially declare myself the president of the Ladislav Benyasek fan club. Thank you. Good night. There are dozens of us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you want to join the fan club, hit me up on Twitter and we will have donuts. That's right. Yeah. There you go. The Brandon Duhame fan club has punch. Sometimes the yes. uh Benyasek fan club has donuts. Always. You just got to come to North Carolina to get them. Yeah. So, so there, there are little concessions for people in the group, regardless of which fan club you're in. Yeah, we're all about treats, us us big guys here. Um, well, Seth, this has been terrific. Thank you again for your time. As always, it is uh, just wonderful having you on. Um, I know this went a little bit longer than we were expecting, but uh, always a good time. Um, Seth Topal, before we let you go, though, we are going to ask you the same question that we ask everybody before they take off. Seth Topal, what is your wild take? One week from now, the Minnesota Wild will have vaulted past the Dallas Stars in the Central Division standings. One week. One week. Okay, so as we're recording this, the... I don't even know if that math works. I don't think it does, but we're going to find out. So as we're recording this, the Wild... So we're recording this, essentially, let's call it... Let's call it March 2nd, okay? So the Wild will have one, two... 
three, four games in that time span. So a possibility of eight points. They need five and Dallas to get zero in that span to make this happen. Now, let me, let's say the wild go four. No, eight, eight out of eight. Let me see what the Dallas stars schedule looks like. It's going to be all cupcakes, isn't it? I I don't know. We're going to find out as you like to put it in real time. Yep. I've I'm pulling it up too. Let's uh the uh, Oh my god. Well, okay. They have the Blackhawks, the Avalanche, the Flames. That's it in in between now and then. Okay, so clearly I should have thought this out a little more. And so let's do this. Let's let's amend let's amend it slightly. I mean, if you're so if the Wild go four zero, and the Stars only get two out of a possible six points, your take is correct. Um, I'm gonna go two weeks. Okay, so two like, weeks. It's just it's just such a it's such a quick turnaround. Two weeks Within gives next... you an extra three games for the Wild and an extra four games for Dallas. Five games for four games for Dallas. So then they have an even number of games. Yep. So both teams would have eight eight games total or seven okay. games total. That's that's more what I was looking for. So you think that in the next seven games for both teams, the Wild will make up basically six points on Dallas. Yes. Okay. Hell of a take. Whew. All now, right. You'll notice I didn't. You'll notice I didn't say vault to first place. <laughs> you tricky minx. Because I think they will stay right where they're at. I just think that we're going to have a flip between first and third. All right. Well, since um, we did lose Zooch to some technical issues, as I addressed earlier in the show, um, I'm going to give my wild take right now as well. Um, my wild take is that as ridiculous and crazy as the trade deadline has been, um, at least one team, probably the wild, maybe more, uh, is going to just say buckle up buttercup. And even though we think that all of the craziness of the trade deadline has already happened, we're just going to say yeehaw, like it says on my beer here, buckle in because the trade deadline ain't over until it's over. And there's going to be at least one more. What the hell move probably from the wild. Um, and I think that, uh, as a, a take within a take, I think Bill Guerin is going to make clear, um, whatever his intentions were with, uh, Marcus Johansson. Uh, I think that's going to become very, very clear by this time Friday. I like it. I, I would love nothing more than for a flurry type move to present itself that then the wild go and do also sub take sub take within a take flurry's going to start game one of the playoffs. Um, but that's a conversation for a different time. I'm going to leave that one here. Um, we're going to just let that one marinate in the either. Um, I'm not saying I agree with it, even though I love Marc-Andre flurry more than almost anything. Um, I'm just calling my shot right now. I know how this team thinks. <laughs> so that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Wild Takes Podcast. Seth, before we go, where can the people find you? 
you can follow Locked on Wild. I had to collect myself a little bit there. Um, yeah, I'm not going to let you even get a thought off on this one. Wow. Um, Locked on Wilds, anywhere you listen to your podcasts, YouTube, social media. The nice thing is that we got Locked on Wild on all of them. So just search Locked on Wild and you'll find everything we have to offer. Pre and post game, full episodes, trade deadline breakdowns, all of it coming up. A busy week here. And uh, we're just going to keep it rolling throughout the rest of the season. Beautiful. Thank you for hopping on. And um, just in the interest of me not wanting to uh, make you listen to a whole other segment, uh, because you just listened to this extra meaty segment uh, with Seth, I am going to wrap the show right here, right now. As always, thank you for listening to the Wild Takes podcast presented by 10,000 Takes. Go give us a follow on social media after you uh, go hang out with Locked on Wild. We are at Wild Takes 10K. And make sure to follow along with the rest of the 10K stuff as well. We got a lot of good stuff hanging out, having fun. Um, it's a good time. Do it for the brand. If you like the show, tell your friends. If you hate the show, tell your enemies. That's a win-win for you. And remember, it's not just about working hard and having fun. It's about fucking winning. Stay safe out there, folks. Get the fuck out of bed, bitch. Go. Get up, get up. I they got Absolutely you. dig the trees. Um down at the bottom of the screen. I dig the trees so much. That's all Marlo. Guy knows what he's doing. Yeah, he really does. My internet we have dad. Two, we have two sizes, Seth. We have this one, and then we have the big one for when it's just the two of us. Oh, my God. Yeah, you can hide in the trees. I could just do a Kevin Weeks and just break some, yep. break some trade oh, news shit, like this. yeah. <laughs> no, my uh, my internet dad is very good, at, uh, very good at that stuff. Marlo's your internet dad? Mm-hmm. Do I want to know? I don't know how it came about, but um, I think it's I, I was probably just blasted and he you he, yeah who me um he tweeted me about something and I responded with thanks dad and uh ah. it's just I think that's where that went yep that makes sense yeah he's Arlo is he's nothing like, if not committed to a bit I I messaged him the for his birthday and I said happy birthday dad. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. I love that.